And welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Jamie Wojciechowski. And I'm Marilyn Brown. Today we are discussing the relationship between attachment and love. And we have two quotes. Uh, hunker down. They're both a little long, but we will get through them. The first is by Yasmin Mogahed. Um, I'm terrible at, at names, so I'm hoping that's right. Okay. Uh, try not to confuse attachment with love. Attachment is about fear and dependency. and has more to do with love of self than love of other. Love without attachment is the purest love because it isn't about what others can give you because you're empty. It is about what you can give others because you're already full. So I'll let mm-hmm. that sink in. And the second mm-hmm. one is an Osho quote. Um, and it is, if you love a flower, don't pick it up because if you pick it up, it dies and it ceases to be what you love. So if you love a flower, let it be. Love is not about possession. Love is about appreciation. Hmm. Wow. Well, those are deep. (laughs) (laughs) That Osho quote is one of my favorites. Um, it's, I feel like, I mean, they definitely really go hand in hand. And I feel like the Osho quote speaks more kind of specifically to like that attachment that is often related to love, which is possession, Mm -hmm. you know, and that feeling of like, you are mine because I love you. (laughs) And I think that the idea of possession and attachment, um, are so, what's the word I'm looking for? Possession and attachment are fear-based emotions, and in, in my opinion. And so I think that they're kind of counter to, to real accepting love, um, though I think we really often tie those two things to love. I think oftentimes we, we, mislabel um attachment or or possessive like relationships or emotions as love because i think that there's at a lot of times the root of a lot of people is a feeling of unworthiness and so if someone wants to possess me then that must mean i'm loved right right yeah it's interesting because i've been uh, a lot of people around me seem to have recently we're just close friends have recently started new relationships mm-hmm. and uh, I see uh, the reason I wanted to use these quotes is because in those new relationships, I see just even in the foundation, um, a desire for that kind of a, a possession, I want to say over okay. appreciation. And it's interesting that I, I see it for the first time that we, cultivate those things so early on in the relationships and then wonder why they don't work out um specifically what i'm seeing a lot of is people i think a lot of people come into relationships or or love having an idea of what they want to love and then they try to mold someone else into what that is Mm -hmm. instead of the which is the possession element versus the appreciation um, of just kind of letting go and seeing who the person really is and embracing that. Yes. Uh, It's the, I've heard so many times, like 
I'm going to change him or I'm going to change her. And it's like, well, okay. He, yeah. And we can talk to do that. Like I think back to like aunties and like moms and like grandmothers and kind of hearing them talk about relationships and talk about men and being like, well, you need to train him. Like you got to train, train your, your man. And I think that like, it, it's kind of that idea that like, I'm going to get with this person. And then, like you said, mold them into what I need rather than, loving and accepting who that person is and I think like we're not I don't think we're saying put up with you know behaviors that aren't in line with you know a healthy relationship or anything about that but I do think that there is definitely this kind of idea that like people almost sometimes can seem to like take on be in relationships like it's like a project Mm -hmm. to like and I think it can come from a place of like trying to help. Um, I would say I've been in, in relationships and I've been in this space where I thought that like my role was to take this person that I loved and turn it and to kind of help them fully come to their best self. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of times where like some of that motivation comes from. And, and, and in the, the, the ego based, you know, mindset also to fit me and what I need, you know, to be the person that I need to be with. And I definitely, um, I think that that's something that, that is unfortunately very common in relationships. And I don't see it in friendships in the same way. I don't see it in other relationships. I feel like when we're, when we meet friends, we kind of like meet that person. And if they're a good fit as a friend, it's like, okay, we're friends and you're a good fit. And I'm going to continue to get to know you and if I find out that you're not a good fit, then maybe we don't continue hanging out versus like in relationships where it's like, okay, I'm going to get to know you and I think you're really great. And then I find out these other things and rather than like, okay, well maybe this isn't the relationship for me. It's like, okay, now let me start working on changing that. And, and that's all again, possessive and, you know, it, it possession based mm-hmm. rather than seeing that person as an autonomous individual and kind of a whole person on their own. I think that kind of is that same thinking of like that two halves make a whole kind of relationship, which again, I think that, that was what I grew up thinking was how it was supposed to be. You know, I, I yeah. did kind of grow up thinking like two, you know, not fully formed people or, 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 or two broken people kind of come together and then they like figure it out together and become this like whole healthy entity but now I realize like that's that's coming from a place of 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 brokenness of not really realizing that I'm a full um full functioning individual on my own and I need to cultivate that within myself before I come to a relationship yeah Yeah. I think a lot of it too has to deal with intention and not conscious intention but subconscious intention Mm -hmm. um and I like that you bring up the ego because I think what often happens in romantic relationships is because you feel like you're focused on the other person, it it, it automatically feels like it's about the other person when so often it's actually about you and ego. Because when I was in my early 20s, I definitely went through that that phase with many people where I wanted the most damaged person I could find and I was going to fix that person. And that's, that's how I thought I was going to, or how I want to express love. And it took a while to realize that 
it's me doing that was not actually the focus was not on them and me trying to help them it was on me wanting to to do that and Mm -hmm. feeling like that's how i was going to feel love Mm -hmm. right and if i did that then i would get love in return type thing which then is not the appreciation it's that the possession and the 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 attachment element of things yeah yeah that that's a really that's a really good point i think it's it's driven by that need to fill something back into your own cup that you're that you don't feel like you're receiving um which is what you know which is what the quote said um and and i think there's a there's a signal there that 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 love that intention needs to be poured into the self. You know, I have a lot of clients come in and there's a lot of relationship dissatisfaction, but oftentimes what's at the root of that is a lot of self worth issues and a lot of um, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of um, just yeah, dissatisfaction with self, depression. Um, and and so a lot of times that's at the root of it. But I think oftentimes, especially when we get in a relationship, it, it becomes a distraction and it's it, it's a distraction from kind of be from from exploring maybe some of those deeper struggles that you're having with yourself. You know, I know that like being in a relationship with someone that you consider like a project or whatever can be a great way to avoid dealing with your own with your own stuff. And it's not conscious, you know, I don't think that anybody really intentionally does it. I know that when that was what was how I was showing up in my relationships, I was completely unaware of it. But in hindsight, there's an awareness of, okay, you know, that because that, you're, you know, because either way, even if this other person has things that they need to work on, like the awareness is that you're still in this relationship and you're participating in it. And so what do you need to work on that's important? That I think yeah. it's, it's the hard part, you know, that the, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. And again, yeah. it's all, it's all how you do it and what the, what the intention is, right? Because if you're bringing a mindful lens to it, uh, mm-hmm. to me, like a, the, the perfect relationship or a healthy relationship is when you are actively trying to make yourself the best you can be and, help your partner be the best that your partner can be. And so going back to the, like trying to change someone type thing, there's a big difference between trying to change someone because you don't like something about them or you think they need to be a certain way versus you helping someone change so that they can be their best self. And I think the the hard part about that is that, uh, what we talked about in the last podcast is in that uh, being afraid of the known coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And when we're in a relationship, when we are the way we are in the moment, we know what to expect. But when we're actually growing and, and helping our partner grow, uh, it puts us in a place where there is change and we don't know what to expect and you can grow apart or you can, and things like that. And I think a lot of people shy away from that because they feel that attachment and they want to hold on versus uh, what I consider 
a true act of love is helping that person be the best they can be. And if something, you know, if, if that means for a time or forever not being with me, that's something I'm willing to do because that's an act of love. It's not about me. It's about the other person and what's best for for them. Um, so I think it's it's it all comes back to how we can approach relationships mindfully. And I think the first part of that is self-reflection. Because if you don't know why you're acting or caring or upset with the things you're upset about, then you're not able to mindfully deal with those things in the relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And, and the tendency, if you're not self-reflective, is you externalize and, and, and deal with those things in a way that doesn't really acknowledge your own part in it, mm-hmm. you know, or how it's, how it's affecting you. And I definitely think there's a partnership that being together and helping that person grow. But I think that there's also, I think any, you know, one of the things that like I'm, you know, single and I'm dating. And one of the things that I look for in people that I'm dating is someone that like still like that. You don't have to tell me the deepest things that you're working on and like your deepest issues. But like, I want someone who acknowledges that like they are continuing to work on themselves. And I think that's the self-reflection piece. Right. Um, And so it's something that now I kind of seek out and recognize, you know, if I meet someone who can, you know, who talks about things that they're working on and ways that they're trying to grow versus meeting someone that kind of tends to externalize everything and have a lot to say about what everyone else is doing. I think, well, not saying I just automatically assume that that person isn't self-reflective, but I think that like, that's where you really can have a, a, a love that evolves into what it needs to rather than a love that that's holding on to and attached to maybe not reality because people do grow and change. And that's one of the things I I tell my clients all the time, especially when I get a new client and they're in a relationship, I let them know you're here and you're, you're willing to, and and ready to start working on, you know, or, or continue to work on things and, and grow in a way, but recognizing that will disrupt your relationship in some way. And it doesn't mean disrupt your relationship in a negative way, but recognizing as you change, that relationship will have to evolve and change with you. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The part of the first quote uh, I want to reread because I I think this is an important part we're starting to touch on, which is love without attachment is the purest love because it isn't about what others can give you because you're empty. It is about what you can give others because you're already full. And I think that's the other issue Mm -hmm. I often see is people don't feel full. So they want a relationship because they think someone else will allow them, will fill them, will that the two together will create a whole. Um, And that I have never seen that end well. No. And I think that's going back to what we talked about at the beginning. I think that's the lie that that's kind of conditioned into like a lot of these, like, you know, the, the fairy tales that were told about love and relationships. You know, I think it definitely doesn't end well, but I feel like that's kind of like what you're taught to look for. Yeah. And I'm curious, 
because right we're all on it's it's hard because we say that we're you want to be already full right and full kind of implies uh a end point right and we often talk about how mindfulness is a journey and as humans we're just on a journey there is no end point we're just constantly working so what i guess what is your definition or your explanation of what a who a human is who's already full yeah you know what that is a good question i i think for me full i'm looking at full more on a I guess more of like a daily basis. Cause I do, I, I agree. Like we're, we're on a journey and we're continuing to evolve and evolve. And like, I feel full today. And yet I also felt full a year ago and I'm different today than I was a year ago. Like I've evolved and continued to grow and I'm trying to, I'm not really exactly sure what has created that sense of fullness. I would, I would say, my mindfulness practice kind of having that awareness that like I am connected to everyone and everything. And so with that awareness, I take that in my, take that awareness into how I like move in the world and how I care for myself. I think fullness is a a sense of self worth recognizing that because you are human, you are worthy already. Like it's not something that you have to strive for. I think that's kind of what I mean when I talk about fullness. Um, that, that, that knowing that like nothing can take away your worth or value as a person. So you don't need someone to pour that value into you because you're already valuable. And, and for me, there was a, a clear turning point. There were, there were, the, the first 30 years of my life, I could say I didn't feel that way and I didn't have that awareness and I felt very empty and I felt very chronically empty. And it was something that, you know, it's funny because because that shift happened a few years ago where I I I know I know certain things to be true now that I didn't know before. Um, it's hard because I can't really say exactly what change that other than again cultivating my mindfulness practice and really truly getting to a point where like I feel it and I believe it and I connect to that connection with everything and everyone um but before it's so it's almost it's it's weird because for me it's hard to remember even feeling empty and like I can't even really connect to that feeling anymore because it's so different from how I feel now but I actually recently I was going through a second round of Marie Kondoing my my place and going through books and I keep every journal that I've ever written in. And so I was reading my college journal and I was just seeing and reading how severely depressed I was at the time and how I really had no sense of self-worth. And it was like I had to like grieve for myself back then as I was reading it, but also recognizing like humans, we have a, a very short memory. And so, so I don't remember what that really feels like. And I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but basically to say, I think that there is, I think that that fullness is, 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 is a sense of self is that, that sense of self-worth and, and value just in who you are, that there's nothing you have to do to get that. There's nothing you have to strive for to be that, that you just already are. And I think there's all kinds of things that we have to work on 
after that and kind of like living that way, right? I don't always live in alignment with that, even though that's what I believe. And so now so much of my journey is like putting that belief into practice and like living in alignment with that. But I think that awareness like is is something that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, how that's- I kind of feel about it too, because uh, what's hard about a lot of uh, kind of what's the self-help, uh, quotes and, and things like that. Even the ones, I mean, the one we just said about the already full, I think there's this idea that that means I have to be in a positive, perfect place. Right. Um, and it's very much not. Uh, yeah, what I'm what I'm kind of hearing is that it's about this kind of acceptance of the journey, right? I mean, you can be, you could have a, a mental illness or not feel like you're your best self. But I think the the idea of being full is this kind of acceptance with um, where you're, where you are. And also the, the mindfulness, the acknowledgement, the awareness that we are ever changing. So it's not like you have to be complete, right? You can still be working on yourself to better yourself, to get out of slumps and still be, full because there's the understanding and the acceptance that I'm where I'm at and that's okay. I am who I am and I'm going to have self-worth with for who I am right now, knowing that every day I am changing um, and trying to be better. Right. 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 And I think that's, yeah. I think that's where it almost, I don't know if this is, if this is accurate, but I almost feel like that desire to be to the, the realization that we're on a journey and the intention to always be better allows us to separate from that possession and attachment in mm-hmm. love. Because when we're always, I think if we're focused on making ourselves better then we actively do do things we want others to be better and we're willing to give ourselves to help others be better and i think that's where there's the difference between the attachment and the non-attachment where you can help people on their journey continue to evolve like you are and you're doing it together without it being about you right yeah and and while you're doing it you're able to do it without judgment for yourself or that other person because there's that recognition that I am on a journey and there's not an expectation of perfection and so I think that helps because a lot of times it's that we're not compassionate with the fact that we're on a journey and so we're expecting perfection from ourselves and I think that just kind of recognizing that like non-attachment is that awareness of like yes of course this is a journey and of, of course there will be mistakes and so you're not really looking for that that's not really what you focus on you're able to give yourself some grace which i think you know grace is an important part of love you know overall just that like um and also i feel like the it's not where you are it's who you are and so it's like i am on a journey and i don't maybe i don't like where i am right now or i'm not in this place that i see myself but it's that doesn't really that doesn't make me a worthy valuable person it's it's who i am that that makes me a worthy valuable person right right yeah, yeah. i just had a thought um hmm. 
and I don't know if it made sense, uh, so I'm kind of losing it. But it's... Yeah, I lost it. It's gone. <laughs> it didn't make sense. The universe took it back. <laughs> no. nah, don't say that. <laughs> it's one of those, like, aha moments, but then I was, I was like, listening to you, I was like, does this actually make sense, or does it not? Oh, what it was was, I think... We often, because we are, I don't know, because we are self-reflecting beings where we think as ourselves, um, I think most things, if not all things, have to start with ourselves, right? And in relationships, what often happens is we try to put it on the other person first before right. reflecting from where we're at. And I think... Uh, I think a lot of the, the, the change narrative of I want to change this person comes from things they do that annoy <laughs> you. Right. Um, and what I often see is they do this thing that, and it annoys me versus the self-reflection, the mindfulness of, well, what is it about me that causes me to get annoyed by this? Right. Um, and it's like you said at the beginning, it's not like it's always our own fault that we're annoyed or that we don't like something. Um, but I think we don't truly know why. And we can't come up with a solution to the problem unless we self reflect on, well, is this something that's actually coming from me? Um, and it is something I have to work on um, versus needing to change the actions of someone else for my ego so that I feel more comfortable. Um right. And I think once we start having those kind of conversations with ourselves and with our partners, that's when kind of real transformation and love can kind of flourish. Mm -hmm. um, and I know even in my own relationships, a lot of times in the moment, I'm incapable of doing that. But then give me five minutes of separation and I, I'm able to do it. Um, so it's also knowing your own limits of how yeah. mindful you can be, what situations cultivate mindfulness for you um, and learning how to create those. Cause I know for me, mm -hmm. I need to disengage and just have some moment for my time to think and self-reflect and then I can engage. Um, but it's also then important to communicate that with your partner. Um, because I've also been in a lot of relationships where that's caused a lot of problems because it always felt from the other person's perspective that I was withdrawing or trying right. to avoid the situation while it was happening. Um, and once I'm able, once I was able to explain why I needed that time, right. um, I was much more successful. And sometimes based on how the person I was with, uh, needed, to process things. Sometimes I had to adapt and be willing to say, well, for the relationship, it's more important for this person to be in a mindful place right now. So I'm going to give that to them now and then take my, the time I need later or whatever that is. You have to analyze it, but you can't do any of that if you don't self reflect or have an understanding of who you are and what you need and what the other person needs and who they are. Right. Yeah. And, and so much of that understanding of who you are and what you need comes from, self-awareness and having some kind of a, a, a mindfulness practice to be able to recognize like when you are at a point where you really um, shouldn't be engaging with someone. 
you know, a lot of times we react emotionally because we're not, we don't realize that we've reached that point where we're not able to be mindful and we continue to engage and then later feel like you have to apologize or kind of clean up whatever happened um, that you either said or did that wasn't really in alignment. And a lot of times what ends up happening is the original concern was lost because, you know, um, you weren't able to like manage mindfully in the moment. And I think we all have our limit. Like we all have our, our, our point where we're not able to use our skills and, and communicate effectively. And that's where self-care is so important in knowing like when you can feel that, cause there's a lot of physical symptoms that, that there are physical signals, I should say that, that let us know like what's going on in our body and when you're getting really angry or when you're getting really fearful or whatever those kind of intense emotions are. And so being able to like step away, but like you said, do it in a way that's still respectful of the other person, because this is a relationship. And so like you, you know, still being able to use the tools or even have a conversation with your partner beforehand so that when you do reach a conflict, you're able to, you kind of already know like what that person might need or how to, how to engage and, or you might have like quick, like, I gotta go words. It's, this is like, we're kind of going off, but this is reminding me of, um, do you watch or do are you familiar with red table talk? Um, on no. Facebook? so it's Jada Pinkett Smith and her mother and her daughter Willow, and they have a red table and they host these different discussions and they bring people in about all kinds of really important topics. And so like they did one on, they've, they've done them on lots of things, but on the relationship episode, they brought Will Smith in and they talked about like, they, you know, we don't ever know any, everything about anybody's relationship, but from the surface and what they've said about their relationship, it seems that they're very mindful with how they communicate with each other. And they said, you know, that there was one fight where like very early in their relationship where, Jada spoke to Will in a way that like Will has seen domestic violence and seen like abuse growing up. And, and there was something that happened where she like spoke to him in a way that like created like where he wasn't able to like manage his emotions in the moment and was just like, you know, we can't ever have those kind of situations again. And so they were able to like talk about it. And like if they're at a point where they can't talk, like they leave and they kind of already know like that this happens and this is something that they've done and, and, and worked on through their relationship. But it was just really interesting hearing them talking about it. Maybe we can like um, add a link to it or you can watch it later. But just I feel like that mindfulness and kind of even that planning around how we communicate with our loved ones is lost. And a lot of times we more put the expectation of how that other person should know what to do when we're in distress rather than like communicating together of like this is what I need and this is how I respond but again that goes back to being self-reflective and I think they're both pretty self-reflective people so yeah yeah that's the I mean in any kind of heightened state that's the hardest time to be mindful and to be aware because the ego kicks in I think as a a defense mechanism as a way to survive the situation um yeah do we have homework Hmm. I would just like, I think I would just love to hear how people cultivate appreciation in their relationships. Yeah, that sounds good. In ways that have worked and maybe ways that they found haven't, depending on each person's experience. Sounds good. Okay. 
So uh, next week, um, we are kind of discussing the uh, relationship um, or the relation between, I guess, religion and mindfulness. Um, Yeah, I'll just say that. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you guys then. See you guys next week.